responding to your emails and voicemails. Oh, we got some really good comments. We talk about this church sign, loving the LGBTQ no matter what. Or uh, what do we say when someone says reject religion and embrace Jesus? You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Stay tuned. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. You sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. So, uh, if you guys would put mega the mega crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word, pastors, keep it mediocre, mediocre and hilarious. Making your entire day better by making one hour of it terrible, this is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Except for I got a great buzzword. Ooh. Oh, do we I do buzzwords ever. here. I forgot about that. Okay, I, I'm going to look for a buzzword while you tell me you're great and fantastic. My buzzword, what are we going to do today? But We got some voicemail and we got some email well, requests. I, I we got thinking, even a crunch request. I was thinking the first thing we could do is turn down your mic just a bit. Really? That, that okay, you the, want me to do that on my first. side here? <laughs> How about that? Is that better? Good thing we do the show prep, but the audio test. Maybe a little test. more. I mean, just as an itinerary of things to do, maybe turning your down your mic down more, and then we. Could, How about this? Is uh, that better? That's a lot better. Thank you. Hoogie, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how to say this word. Hoogie, I know. Hoogie, I know. Let's say that. Let's pronounce it this. Hoogie, I know. <laughs> Are you just making up pronunciations of words? No, now? <laughs> no. This is a Greek word. Oh. Okay. Now here's the, it means <clears throat> to be in good health. Sometimes it's translated sound, and it's used in the Bible one, two, three, four times only in the epistle to Titus. And, and listen to the uses of it here. This is really interesting. Paul says, for, uh, for Titus 1.9, he, that is the elders, must hold faith, hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instructions in sound doctrine, hugiaino doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. Later in the same chapter, verse 13, therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Then, chapter two, verse one, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then the second verse, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and in steadfastness. So there's a healthiness to the doctrine and the faith. It goes back and forth. Sound doctrine, sound of the faith, sound doctrine, sound of the faith. And that's the only time it's used in the Bible. It's really, I'm trying to figure out why it's only there. Why why Paul uses this word, probably a technical term, when he's talking about the doctrine and the faith when he's writing to Titus. Hmm. It's, it's just very interesting to me. So, Yeah, we're going through First um, Timothy uh, in Bible class, and and uh, that's a, a major theme in Timothy as well. Now, I, I'd have to look at look the, the Greek word that's used there, but uh, same, same, same premise, that, that we're holding on to the, the sound doctrine in the midst of all of these, um, 
the, the word that he uses oftentimes is uh, 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 what endless myths or something like that. The, the the well, there's the endless genealogies, but there's the 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 fables and the myths and the tales. So it, he puts as a juxtaposition. What's that word? Juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You nailed it. <laughs> I hope you say it a bunch of times. That should be your buzzword. Juxtaposition. Anyway, you put, as, as, as two things opposite. I can't say it now because I'm going to say it wrong. Juxtaposition. There you go. Um, uh, so there's there's the eyewitness and the myths, right? So, so as Peter says, that we did not follow cleverly devised myths, but we were eyewitnesses to these things. So that the sound doctrine is what was actually witnessed of Jesus. Because um, as Hebrews 1 says, that God spoke to us long long ago in many and various ways, but now he has spoken to us by his Son. So the eyewitness testimony of Jesus, the Son, is the revelation of God to us. Oh, that's just good. It's good stuff. Uh, hey, now, so you, since you said Timothy, I thought maybe I'm wrong that it's only in Titus. Because I, I, I looked up the concordance, and it only showed up in, in Titus. But here I'm finding that maybe it's... Uh, Looks like it might be three times in Luke, uh, twice in Second Timothy. I got to do some more work, apparently. I love correcting mm. you so early in the show. It's uh, it's nice. It's it's All right, nice. so my buzzword for you is amillennialism. I don't know who came up with these terms, but is that a pejorative? Because um, the prefix "ah" means no, like an atheist uh, is one who believes in no God, and so the the term amillennial is implying that there the one believes that there is no millennial there is no thousand years and that's not the case for amillennials right uh, now so i i suppose whoever came up with these terms were probably dispensationalists <laughs> yeah i think so i i mean i think it is it's i think it did start out as a derogatory term i mean i wonder how i know that but i mean it's like it's like like if we started calling um Southern Baptists, ah, Baptists. <laughs> I guess there was already the Anabaptists. Well, they did. They called them uh, <laughs> the Anabaptists. Right, right. That right. means uh, that's the same thing against baptism. Right. It's, at least we're not the Anamillennialists. <laughs> yeah, that's. Although I'm sure better. someone has called us that before. Right. Well, so so the whole question. I mean, this this d- debate of end time theology uh, questions uh, what is the thousand year reign of Christ from Revelation, um, and uh, so some say, well, this is. This is something that is coming maybe after the tribulation or before the tribulation. Uh, that's that's where a lot of them get stuck on the debate. Um, but but the the dispensational position is that uh, Christ is coming. He's 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 returning to establish a physical one thousand year reign uh, here on earth, uh, and he'll do so for um, a thousand turns around the sun. Um, and so we would we would read this and say, well, as we as we read what the scripture presents to us, um, that which uh, that time in which Christ is reigning is right now. I mean that that description fits right now as the gospel is preached. Um, now, what about the thousand years? You Lutherans aren't taking the Bible very literally. They say a thousand years means a thousand years, uh, and pff, I think we should take the Bible literally. So uh, this is this is the yarn I got from you. You know, when, when Psalms says, Psalm 49, uh, that the, the cows on a thousand hills are mine, says the Lord. Psalm 50. Oh, that's close. So close. Yeah. At least I got the right, book. Right. right book. We should, if we were playing Bible <laughs> Bee, you would have got it right. 
<laughs> so you got to get out the map and start counting hills. Now you put you could probably get a thousand just in the state of Oregon, much less. So so the cows in Oregon are the lords, but the ones in Texas are not. He is he has no interest in Longhorn. I, I just would reverse that. <laughs> I know Texans always have kind of this. What is it? God's country. Yeah, it's it's like. I mean, I'm surprised Texans know that there is country outside of Texas. But anyway, there's this great this this restaurant that we have gone to. It's a this Spanish Tex-Mex kind of thing, and it has a picture of the United States. And Texas goes all the way up to Canada, <laughs> and all the way. And it's like there's See? a little tiny little bit over here, and a little tiny bit on the other side. See, that's only in Texas. I don't I don't go to a restaurant here in Oregon, and they they presume that the state borders encompass the entire United States. But but the point is that that there are not a thousand hills in Texas, which is why I know the Lord, the Lord's cows are in Oregon. No, of course not. The thousand is uh, a way of describing uh, completeness and, and total um, that, that all of the, all of the cows are the Lord, that there's no cow that stands outside, no hill that stands outside of the Lord. So, uh, that we can understand in a, even a very literal way, uh, if we're understanding the context, we're understanding the genre, that a thousand means uh, completeness. And so the, the Lord is uh, reigning now today um, and uh, has since his ascension and will until he returns on the last day. So it's not that amillennials don't believe in a millennial. It's just that the millennial begins um at Christ and his ministry, uh, death, resurrection, and ascension, and continues until he returns in glory. I like it. Have you know? So the thousand-year phrase is used, as far as I can tell, three times in the Bible, and Psalm ninety is the first time. Uh, the day with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and then Peter picks up on that and he says, "The Lord is not slow about his promises, as some count slowness, but long suffering." Not wanting any to perish, don't you remember that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day? And I think th that this revelation picks that teaching up from Peter explicitly and uses the 1,000 years as the time of the Lord's patience and salvation while we wait for the second coming. Yeah, interesting. Good. All right. Well, today we're going to be uh, looking at some of your emails, and I'm th I think some of these have come from the, the Wolfmuller website. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's right. <laughs> And uh, listening to your voicemails, 1-800-385-SOLA, bumper stickers, church signs, uh, fun day in the life of Table Talk Radio, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, we're going to do a voicemail first. Here's a quick one. Hi, this is Riley from Spokane. I'm not sure if you've seen this bumper sticker before. I'm driving in Washington State. I see a van with Texas plates and a bumper sticker that says, Jesus loves the hell out of you. Have a great day. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Someone must, should make that a church sign. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> I know. Why limit? Why limit that profound insight to just a bumper sticker? I mean, church signs all over need to. Jesus, but it is. It, notice, notice the artistic switch there because. <laughs> just let's just let's just kind of revel in the poetry. Yeah. For a little bit, shall we? For the next twenty, you would seconds. expect, you would expect it to say Jesus scares the hell out of you. No, no, not here. He loves. See, see what's happening there. Yeah, I'm glad that we wow. can be the, the the center for such poetic bumper stickers. And we're we'll continuing to look at some of these bumper stickers right after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Table Talk Radio. It's everyone's favorite. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. All right, we're back. What's next in the email for Table Talk Radio? Hey, Pastor Wolfman. Ah, I got one here. Uh, this is from, um, let's see. This is from Daniel from Westminster, Australia, who writes... Westminster, Australia? Arvada, Colorado. I don't know what Daniel from <laughs> Westminster is doing in Arv- Arvada. I don't know. Ar- well, Arvada sounds bad in it. Australian accent. Arvada, Colorado's Maybe own Grace Australian Church accent. sign says, quote, loving the LGBTQ no matter what. Daniel, Westminster, Australia. He misspelled Australia as Colorado, but... <laughs> okay, so that's the sign. Loving the church sign, loving the LGBTQ no matter what. Now, I want to say, first of all, that I agree with this, by the way. Yeah. I agree with this sign. Me too. Because the Lord has, he, this is the command that we have, is to love one another. So, Well, I think that this, uh, was it a bumper sticker? Or what, what was this? It was a church sign. Church sign. Um, I, I think that's rather limiting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What about the people that are, that are not LG? What about the AIQ? All right. Or AI plus, I mean. Or the, and or also, the, what or about the, the S? <laughs> loving how about that can you say loving the straight no matter what oh see i went with heterodox or heterodox <laughs> heterosexual <laughs> that's it so we were on the same same wavelength uh straight I mean, I mean it's it's like we love everyone except for people who live according to god's creation <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but this i mean you since you've pointed this out i i i see this all the time now in the news and and whatever's going on on the internet and stuff like that. I mean, that there's this kind of oppressor oppress thing going on that you, you've mm-hmm. been talking about. I mean, so, so mm-hmm. that, that, um, you know, ridicule of the so-called oppressor is justified, uh, when it's the exact same accusation that the, uh, oppressed is making of the oppressor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's just ironic, isn't it? Um, but you said, well, what happened if you put, yeah, so, so, so to kind of press on that point, what if you put up a church sign that said, loving the anti-LGBTQ no matter what? <laughs> oh, man. How would that go? Oh, man. Uh, but you said you agreed with this. <laughs> Lo- loving the homophobic no matter what. <laughs> so, uh, so just now, think about the yes, contrast there, yes, right? Right. Think now, about the contrast. Now, there, there's it's something... If you're saying, look, we love everybody, which is what we should say. I mean, everybody. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't say, okay, you don't have to love that person. It, no, we are not authorized to scratch anybody off of the neighbor list, no matter what. Mm-hmm. We're to love them. Now, we want to remember that love takes different shapes according to the, according to the commandments and also according to the mm, neighbor's situation, both their need and maybe even their sin. So that love is, you know, you know, like, I mean, this is, you, so here's the, here's the family and they've got, um, let's say they got kids and the kids are doing something wrong. Well, love is going to look a particular way for the parents towards the kids. They're going to discipline the kids or whatever. 
So that love is, we, we have this confused kind of emotional understanding of love that won't take into account any of the kind of any of the circumstances or and it's most especially any of the commands that the lord that the lord gives so i mean there does yeah, seem so to be this confusion between like there's this uh who i am who a person is versus um what they do and the behavior that they have so this whole thing you should love me for who i am and um that seems to say then um if i so if you're going to love me for who i am then you would not have a word against anything that I do. <laughs> so, so you know, if I were to go and start uh, s- stealing money from banks and you said, hey, don't. And I said, you should love me for who I am. The <laughs> loving bank robbers no matter what. <laughs> uh, right? I mean, Colorado's I mean, great so, shirt. So of course, now that's actually true. Right, right, loving the sinner, no matter what. That's what you see. So, but the, the question is, that's not what they actually mean by love. I mean, whatever is meant by love in this sign is probably not what the Bible means by love. Mm-hmm. Because does the Lord love the LGBTQ no matter what? I mean, remember this. I was. This came up in one of the sermons yesterday. I have this advantage of being able to preach three sermons every. I was going to ask, how many different sermons are you preaching? Three. Cool, huh? <laughs> That's great. I mean, people are like, One's they found out I preached different sermons in the early church and late church, and they're like, well, do I have to come to both services now? And I'm like, well, I do. So. <laughs> Did, now, does it get, get better? I the same I mean, thing is it twice. Like progressively getting better? Like you, you weed out the things that... No, 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 no. It's like epistle in the first service and, and gospel in the second <laughs> service. So they got nothing to do with each other. So everyone's standing doing it. <laughs> Go on. I got to preach these short sermons for the early service. Otherwise, I got no time in Bible class. But So this came up in the church service, which is this idea of spiritualize and how do you look. Now, of course, I should say I preach different sermons, but then I talk about it on Table Talk and Sunday Drive Home and everything else like that, too. So mm. I don't know if that really counts. It's everything totally new. But this is the point. How do we look at the other person? How, how do we actually view the other person? And this is a, and and it's, it has to do with how we see God and how we see ourselves as well. How do we, how do we look at them rightly? And here's the point, that we we know we know four things about every single person that we encounter. We know that they're created in the image of God. We know that they are a sinner. We know that they are died for by Christ. They're redeemed by Him. That Jesus is their brother. And I and I, I was thinking Whoa. about that. How? Wait a minute. What? <laughs> I just I was just I, w- I was doing the. Um... The OCB reaction. The Calvinist cringe? <laughs> the Calvinist cringe. <laughs> we should have a sound effect for the Calvinist cringe. <laughs> That's great. This is a problem with the now, but So everyone's died for by Jesus. Jesus is the brother of everyone. They would even believe that according to the Incarnation. But he's our brother and our Savior. Mm. And that means something. So I was, I was thinking about this. Because I used to tell him this story. I used to have a, a a friend who had a very famous brother, and his, and this my friend was not famous. I mean, like you would look at him, and he reminded me of of the Chris Farley character, down by the river, kind of. You know that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was so he was he was. I mean, he was a hilarious guy, but he was just sort of he was kind of uncapped. And anyway, he was a good friend. 
But it was so funny because people would see him and they kind of try to avoid him. But then they would find out that he had a famous brother. And then they kind of saddle up to him like, oh, your brother, was he coming to town? This, they would react totally different when they found out that he had a fa It was so funny. Now, I think about that. Was, this is how we should be. You know, to the person that's like selling us tacos and, and, and we're just sitting there and we're like, ah, oh, we're not paying that much attention to him. And then we, then we remember, oh, wait a minute. Your brother is Jesus? What? <laughs> wow. Can you, I mean, this is this this elevates our it elevates our humanity, which means it elevates our neighbor, the one that we're dealing with. And and I got to look into this a little bit more because this is a bit of theology that I was reading on, and I don't remember ever really hearing anyone talk about it. That our understanding of universal grace does not only include the fact that Jesus died for everyone, but it extends to the work of the Holy Spirit. So the old Lutherans would talk about, like Chemnitz and Gerhard would talk about how. Universal grace means that the Holy Spirit is calling every single person to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. And that is really, so, so that we know these four things about every person. They're creating God's image, that they're a sinner, that they're redeemed by Jesus, and that they're being worked on by the Holy Spirit. And that, that, so, so how about that for the church sign? Loving the LGBTQ no matter what. That means what, I mean, but what, because what they want to do is this kind of, we, we accept you or whatever, but what we should really do is we should have this, I don't know, this, this is a, a profound, I don't want to use the word radical, but I think it is. It's a radical, radically different way of looking at our neighbor that, that allows us to acknowledge their sin and even their particular sinfulness, but it doesn't let that become the defining thing because there is God's creation, there is God's redemption, and there is God's sanctification, all at work in every single person that I ever encounter, from the person that sells me the coffee at the McDonald's, from the person who asks for money on the side of the street, from the guy who cuts me off, from the from the in-law that drives you crazy or whatever, and to the to the son or to the cousin that's the L or the G or the B or whatever, the, we know that all of these things about them, and it lets us look at them with this sort of full theological anthropology yeah it's so good and i and i think um to, to emphasize the fourth point there the holy spirit is working on them because if you have just one through three you kind of have a gospel reductionism so 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 that it would just end with well this person's been died for so how dare you say anything about my life or activity uh, but 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 then the, the the fourth one comes along and says the Holy Spirit is calling you to repentance. No matter, I mean, that's true no matter who you are, right? Uh, so uh, Brian, that the Holy Spirit is working on you to call you to repentance, <laughs> and me too, and and everyone else. Um, but but the fourth one is is uh, uh, is necessitated by the reality that uh, what what Isaiah says that the word of God does not return to him void. Um, so that so that when the word of God is proclaimed, um, the the word the Holy Spirit is working through that word, and it doesn't just like pass over certain ones because well, that person's not in the Lord's crosshairs. No, I mean every single person, the the Lord's word addresses, and um, the Holy Spirit's working on. Now, of course, in sin, people reject that word, um, but. That doesn't mean that the word itself is not efficacious to certain people, right? Yeah, yeah, precisely. All right, uh, we got to keep talking about this. this. There's a lot more to 
to mine out of this conversation. All right, we'll do it right after this. This is Table Talk Radio. You have been warned. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. Playing around with some Calvinist cringe sound effects. What do you got over there? What are the options? Oh, I just shut it down. Sorry. (laughs) They were... Still work. I mean, you got to be at the ready on the on the FX board you there. Don't, you don't want to just haphazardly pick a sound effect for the Calvinist cringe. You, you really want to hone in and find the perfect one. We should do a contest. <laughs> oh yeah, people should call into our voicemail with the best Calvinist cringe. That's right. One eight hundred three eight five Sola. Hey, hey, my church sign is loving the Calvinists. No matter what. <laughs> hey, do you have a do you have a book for someone whose sound effect that we use? Oh yeah. I like how I'm giving away your stuff. <laughs> I'm on it, man. <laughs> you like how I did that? Here, you- I saw as usual I saw how much you know the Wednesday Whatnot, the world famous Wednesday Whatnot? If mm-hmm. you're listening and you're not subscribed, you should subscribe. Although you should only subscribe if you got if you're gonna actually read the thing because it just bumped up to another level <laughs> because of the amount of subscribers. You know, this cost me $80 a month. Well, you need to start uh, weeding them out. Like, you can, you can see who opens them or not. If you don't open yeah, them, yeah, I know. Boom, you're gone. I, you're fired. You're out of here. <laughs> it's like a church voters meeting. If you're gone for three, you're out. <laughs> <laughs> I've been resending the thing, which is annoying. So I resend it to the people who don't open it, which is a, really an obnoxious thing to do. But I'm doing it to try to get them to unsubscribe. Like, what? Why is this guy pestering me so much? <laughs> Eighty good. bucks. That's expensive. Anyhow. Well, I think so here here's another thought on this on this uh church sign that says uh loving the LGBTQ no matter what. Um so so what this lacks is uh what the what what love looks like, the shape of love. So that otherwise we would um ask the question, well, how do I love or what does love look like? And the answer to that would be um, according to the Ten Commandments, right? So, so that I love my neighbor according to the Ten Commandments. Um, but when there is no such question, then the inevitable result is hypocrisy, mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. because now, I mean, if if what love looks like is full acceptance of everything that one does, mm-hmm. then you would have to extend that also to those who have an opposing point of view. And mm-hmm. so now the one who does not have the realm to say what does love look like is the one who is being selective of who I'm going to love because now I just can't love the person who's who's hateful or the person who opposes my point of view. I just can't love that person. So now I'm only loving those particulars like the LGBTQ or whomever. Right. Now how do, how what does our Christian love look like? I mean it looks it could be different things depending mm-hmm. on Whatever I was talking to, I was talking to Pastor Ketchelmeyer about this, and he and he had this idea of just going to find the people who are sort of left behind by the LGBTQ movement, hmm. 
like the people who are dying in the hospital because of various diseases and stuff, and they're just lonely there, and go to find them and minister to them there and go and, and love them. But I think, you know what, eventually what it looks for, what it looks like is this. The Christian love says, I'm willing to die for you. Mm -hmm. Now, that's something different than I, I love everything about you or I love everything that you do or I accept you or whatever. But it says, I'm willing to die for you. And how would I, I was thinking about that because we got the March for Life coming up this Saturday. And I think, you know, there's always protesters when you're walking around in the March for Life and there's people protesting. I want to be able to look at, I mean, I really, now I don't know if I can, but I think this is what the Holy Spirit would, would teach us is I want, to, I want to be able to look at each person there protesting, what, well, you know, whatever, trying to do the pro Planned Parenthood or whatever, pro abortion crowd. And I want to be able to look at every one of them and say, I'd die for you. I'd die for you. I'd die for you. Now, I'm not, maybe not going to tell him that because I don't want him to take me up on it right away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's got to be the that's got to be the the mindset that I have. That's got to be the the um the I think the attitude with with, the, with which the Christian engages the neighbor and even the enemy. Mm. Mm -hmm. So the martyrs there before the before the pro council and they say, well, you know, "Look, Jesus died for you. I'd die for you too." <laughs> I mean, there there is there isn't intuition born in our flesh that says someone who is um, a, uh, of a different mindset or a different way of thinking is my enemy, right? So it's kind of, you know, us versus them. And so, you know, they're the enemy. But but what you're, what you're bringing out sort of um, neutralizes that thought to say, you know, you are a person that uh, I would, uh, that I am called to die for in service. Right. Yeah, if Jesus would die for you, then I'm not above Jesus. So, uh, and that ch it really changes the Christian attitude. I mean, we don't have to look. We don't. We do not have to. Th this stuff is a and the sexual revolution is doing so much damage to people. I mean, we know it, and more and more. I mean, I how about this? I mean, I think the church needs to come to grips with the fact that we have so many people right now that are dying lonely because the, the the generation that's in the nursing home right now is the first generation to have access to the birth control pill, which means it's the first generation that had small little families, which means it's the first generation that's dying and they don't have a bunch of kids and grandkids surrounding them. Mm. So we have this loneliness epidemic and it's because of the, it's the, it's the, just the, we're just now beginning to harvest the fruit of the sexual revolution and it's just going to get worse. Now, we should, so we should be, we should have clear eyes about this stuff and we should say, look, you break God's law and it's going to go bad for you. I mean, not only does God get angry, but there's consequences to this and there's consequences to, to the L and to the G and to the B and to the T and to the Q. And I think each one of them has their own specific bad consequences, but altogether it's just, it's not good for a person to take one of those letters or all of them and to and to apply that to themselves. It's bad for them, and that's why it's bad. That's why God says it's bad, because he loves them. That's why God gives the commandments, because he loves them. And that's why we assert the commandments, because we love them. But that doesn't mean that we don't also can't go to the person with a profound sense of also affection and uh, and compassion mm -hmm. while, while having this thing. I'm not, I just, I'm not ready to concede love to the to the to the sexual revolutionaries mm -hmm. i'm not ready to concede love to the lgbtq business i'm not ready to say that love has won in the obergefell decision that's that was a that was that was love taking a hit it was love suffering a loss but i'm not ready to i'm not ready to give up on this battle for love 
I mean, we, we, and, and we should be confident in that because, because the God that we worship is love. And remember how the, the Bible talks about the idols? <laughs> how, you know, they can't talk, they can't think, they can't walk around, they can't do anything. And the people who make them become like them, David says. It's great. So that we are being shaped into our, to what we worship. And as we worship the true God, we're being shaped into something that looks like true love. So we, so we cannot be, we cannot concede the point. We cannot concede the fight. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think that's uh, a great point that, that Christians oftentimes in zeal to defend the truth and to just, I mean, even to maintain created order sometimes, um, involves us kind of drawing the line in the sand and saying, look, I will not yield even one little bit on this particular issue. Um, and sometimes I think that great zeal to defend the truth, um, even with great ferocity, sometimes uh, translates to the way that we would interact with certain individuals um, in a way that would uh, come across unloving. So this is kind of a uh, kick the dog, comfort the child kind of a thing, where oh, it seems like we were talking about this recently. Uh, oh, yeah, we were. It was about, um, you know, how that we would address uh, someone who identifies with a, a different pronoun than what they actually are. And we, we had this conversation about whether you, you know, respect the person in order to have this conversation and whatnot. And and, and there is a place then to say, look, um, from from a a fight against the ideology. There is there is no uh, yielding even one little bit, even the smallest bit of ground on this issue because the Lord doesn't. At the same time, when I'm having a conversation with a person, that we we uh, need to understand um, how communication works, right? Um, so so as an example, we always like to read Luther and see how uh, how Luther. Uh, communicated with these great analogies and and really kind of what sounds like a bull in a china shop and we think well I want to be like Luther <laughs> you know but but I think we do have to take an, into consideration how communication works in our day and age <laughs> and and to just walk in and 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 lamb blast someone like maybe Luther would um, doesn't communicate a, a, a in a way that would actually um care and love for the person we're trying to reach. Does that make sense? Uh, I'm going to respond to you using the Luther insulter. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> you completely close your mind and do nothing but shout anathema, 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 so that by your own voice you are judged mad. <laughs> I mean, it makes for great one-liners, to be sure. Um, but I, I do think there's a distinction between you know fighting an ide ideology and dealing with a person. Uh, now I have, I, I have a side side comment. You mentioned. You know what I think? You pant after garlic and melons of Egypt, and have already long suffered from perverted tastes. <laughs> it's like I'm really talking to the man. It's just great. <laughs> um, so as a sidebar, um, you you brought up this aspect that we're now living in this age of of uh, birth control, or the product of that of that era. Uh, Jordan Peterson, you know that guy. You ever listen to him? He's pretty, yeah, yeah. He's pretty interesting. He. He was asked why people seemingly um, cannot handle difficult situations anymore, and he likened it to small family sizes now. So that before, when you had like eight or ten kids, 
you had to like let the kid defend for themselves. I mean, you couldn't be a helicopter mom over 10 kids. You'd just kill yourself. <laughs> but now we're having like one, two kids, and we can't we can't take any risk. Like these are the only kids I got. I can't I can't risk them falling down. So now mm. now I'm helicoptering mom over every single kid, and that has produced in individuals an inability to deal with challenges and difficulties. So I don't know if that's true, but it's very interesting. Uh, we'll be right back to more about this stuff. No offense, but you should listen to Table Talk Radio. Seriously, no offense. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. I think I figured out how to get people to open your Wednesday whatnot. Uh, how's that? You need to change the from line from Brian Wolfmuller to the Wednesday whatnot. Mm. I think what's happening is that people are seeing an email from you and they just delete it. They don't even, oh, I'm not right. going to listen to anything that guy has to say. Hmm. But if it was from the Wednesday, one, and that that is why it uh, shows that I have so many opens from your thing because I think, oh. Oh, you're still, you've got that guilty <laughs> conscience still. The guilty conscience. <laughs> like, ah. Dang, I opened the Wednesday whatnot again. This he, last week was pretty good. It was me. about this Sir Robert Scruton, this guy, this British intellectual that I had never known about. I should have, apparently, but he died. And both Robert, uh, let's see, both Al Mohler and um, the guys on on uh, Breakpoint eulogized him. And I, so I went and watched this, this one-hour thing on beauty, his documentary on beauty. It's really interesting. It's really nice, actually. So hmm. Good deal. All right. Let's go to the voicemail. Here's another uh, voicemail at 1-800-385-SOLA. Church sign, Assembly of God Church. If God had a refrigerator, your face would be on it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. We... <laughs> you know what? I just got an email during the break, by the way. Yeah. I John, our guy John Tibble mm -hmm. of johntibble.com, took the Martin Luther sermons we recorded and made it into an app. Oh, cool. So you can get the Martin Luther sermon app. That is really cool. Huh. Now the question is, is it an Android app or a iPhone well, app? Well, I just have the Android, and it is on the Android. I don't know if it's also on the... Do you have an iPhone? I do not. It's just a Google, I think. I, this is cool. Wow. Very nice. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. That's great. Yeah, that is cool. All right, I gotta. That's something. Now, what is this? What is this? Uh, the what is the thing again? Uh, if God had a refrigerator, your face would be on. Oh, it. that's right. So uh, hmm. this one is not punny, but it is trying to say you know. So like, uh, you have a refrigerator, and so you hang pictures of your kids on it because you love them. And so God loves you. So therefore, if he had a refrigerator, he would. I mean, I don't know why God doesn't have a refrigerator. Maybe he just doesn't need one. But it's not like he can't afford one. I mean, that's the, a big refrigerator. The, the refrigerators on a thousand hills are mine, says the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
It is poetic. <laughs> you know, there is this thing. I mean, it, 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 it's it's po it's it's I don't know. It's poetic in in the kind of sentimental sort of thing, which I'm not. I'm like I'm only half against sentimentality now that I'm getting older. You know, <laughs> you're getting old and sappy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember the time when I could. I could run or in my day <laughs> I could run. <laughs> you know, you remember I got I those families have these young kids, you know, they're 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 like, oh, I gotta go do another diaper and I'm like, oh, I miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm happy to miss them, but I you know, it's just different. Mm -hmm. Now because everybody knows the refrigerator, here's the picture that I was trying to Oh, oh, I'll give you a sermon illustration. I think this got preached a couple of weeks ago. Um, so let's just imagine that you sit down at a table and you want a portrait to be taken. You want a portrait of yourself, Evan Gagline, to be hang above the to hang above your leather chair and fireplace mm -hmm. in your home. Okay. And I do. And uh, and so there's two artists across from you. One is a fine portrait artist that you have commissioned for forty thousand dollars to paint an original portrait of you. And the other is your daughter, Lily. <laughs> okay. Now, let's just say that, that they uh, finish their portraitures and your daughter hands you a piece of paper with crayon and a circle with, like, you can maybe recognize two legs or something off finger on it. And, finger paint, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you look at that and you say, that is, that is beautiful. That is really beautiful. And let's just say that the, this famous portraiture hands you a, a similar finger painting on a canvas. <laughs> and you say to them, what are you trying to insult me? I can't believe this is terrible. ridiculous. Do you think this is what I look like? That's Get out of here. I want my money back. <laughs> now, you see the difference... The same, you, you have a totally different reaction to the same exact piece of art. Mm -hmm. Right? You're with me? You're tracking on the image so far? Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is how I think we need to think about good works. <laughs> mm -hmm. If we go to God and say, hey, I'm gonna, let me give you something that's pretty impressive. You'll want to pay me back with salvation and eternal life for this. <laughs> let me do this thing for you. Look at this. And the Lord says, what are you, insulting me? This is disgusting. Get out of my house. I'm No refund. <laughs> And yet, as his children, we're like, hey, hey, look at what I did. We're not, we're just, and he loves it. He puts it on the refrigerator. <laughs> See? Yeah, that's good. I like that. So that it, it all depends on, on who we are. So are we doing these good works to try to earn God's approval? Or are we doing these good works to try to, just simply because we we have this great, we have the Holy Spirit and this, and the Lord is, given us this opportunity to, to serve him and our neighbor in this life. It's totally different. So the same work, the same exact work, is looked at in two totally different ways, depending on who is the person. I think we just discovered what your next book's going to be. What? A book of sermon illustrations. Fingerprint. I got that one good one. <laughs> someone, someone write it down. I'll forget it. That's what you remember. Pastor Melius would used to do. He'd say we'd be sitting there studying the Greek, and he says, "This is the sermon illustration for this." And I said, "Man, that's good." And he says, "Well, because you thought of it last year." 
This yeah. is the. This I got is, a. I got a very. My memory has a short ex- expiration date on it. This I'll is the, the appointed sermon illustration for the day. <laughs> it doesn't. You know why I probably have such a bad memory, is because every week I have to forget table talk. Yeah. And that's just trained me to forget everything. Yeah. It's the fault of table talk radio. <laughs> All right, let's look at your uh, next email then. Okay. Me? Or you want to go to the voicemail? I can go to the voicemail if you want. Yeah, let's do the voicemail. Hi, pastors. My name is Ezra. I'm calling from central Pennsylvania. I'm one of your large C Catholic listeners. And I'm calling in with a bumper sticker for you I saw today pulling out of the grocery store parking lot. Reject religion. Embrace Jesus. Have fun with that one. Bye now. Why is there always that imperative to have fun? <laughs> yeah. Have fun with that what one. If we want to, what if we want to really be dragged into the dumps by that one? <laughs> uh, so reject religion, embrace Jesus. So this is, this is the old thing of, uh, of saying that, you know, re- religion is a work of like man's traditions, but Jesus is the real deal. You know, Jesus is authentic. Religion is just, you know, uh, fuddy duds talking about what they think of Jesus. If you want the real thing, just go right to him. Um, it's it's. Uh, I mean, here was here's the question: Is was Jesus religious? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Yeah, he he went to the synagogue and everything. Yeah. Um, and so to, to kind of pit religion against Jesus is, I mean, at the very least, a false dichotomy. I don't, yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's right. It's like there's this weird thing where people are like, well, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. And that'd be like me saying, yeah, I really like Evan, but Mandy drives me crazy. Hey, now. Hey. That's it. See, that's what Jesus says. When you, when you say, hey, reject Jesus and, and wait, wait, reject religion and embrace Jesus, Jesus is like, hey, wait a minute. That's my church. What are you saying about my church? I'll build my church. The gates of hell won't stand against it. So you're not, Jesus does not authorize us to despise the church. This okay, is not so, an option. What if I said this, and I think this might be what people are trying to get at, uh, maybe just being a little sloppy with their language or their words. What if I said, um, embrace Jesus, reject bureaucracy? <laughs> I'm all for that. <laughs> I'm going to go put that on the church sign right now. That's a bumper sticker. <laughs> you can get that bumper sticker at wolfmiller.co. Why don't we do a, in the merch store? What, it, um, Christianity is not a bureaucracy. It's a religion. <laughs> I like it. It's not so catchy. Yeah. Anyway, I'm all about the not bureaucracy stuff. Boy, oh boy, you should have seen our voters meeting yesterday. It's, I mean, I love the people here so much. Uh, it, but the, it's kind of, it's this, every voters meeting is something like this that I've ever been in. Do we need to do this? Is this, uh, do we, do we need, is this a necessity? And, and I stand up and say, uh, no. And then the people say, well, why are we going to do it? And I say, because it sounds fun. And then they're just like, oh. I don't know. Oh. It must be either necessary and an emergency, or we're not going to do it. <laughs> I mean, it's fine, but you know, this is. It's. Uh, I. I really. I mean, I. I should know. I mean, everyone has to bear with my own weakness on this because 
everybody in the church we get into this idea that that everything is uh you know of necessity or of an emergency kind of thing and there's no room for there's kind of no space for just trying stuff yeah so so we gotta so when jesus is sitting on the throne we gotta remember hey this is gonna be all right it's yeah. gonna be all and right there's a lot of freedom to do things or not do things that's, all right that's right that's it for us thanks for listening thanks to for listening Talk to Radio. this edition of Table where the Talk points Radio. are a point Please consult <laughs> oh, yeah, your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. A point deal. nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences. If, if you cut all the point Table Talk Radio like out of your points, you'll be Cuganio. Combustion. A sudden craving to smell your backseat. An uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.